that's when things started to happen and really shift. And so instead of taking 10 years, 10 more years to pay off the debt, we were able to pay it off the remaining debt in three. Jen Hemphill is a money confidence coach who earned her stripes by getting herself and her family out of debt, even after multiple bad investments and watching her debt continue to grow. Although she always considered herself to be a savvy, resourceful, and smart woman who was quote-unquote good with money, her debt continued to rise and she started to feel like an imposter. So what made it all turn around, not just to the point that she could get herself out of debt, but to the point that she could help others do the same through creating an online business and even write the book on the topic. I knew it was something that I had to do and I kind of worked on it, but it felt too woo-woo, if you will, I I describe it. And I wasn't a woo-woo person. I'm a very practical person. I completely related to that thought. As a pragmatic person myself, sometimes it's hard to believe that the solution to my problem can't be read in a book or found in a step-by-step guide. My name is Ina Coveney. I'm an online presence expert, and this is a conversation I believe everyone in business needs to hear. Keep listening to hear what was that thing that made Jen and her family's finances turn around. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, remember to head over to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here's our interview with my favorite money guru, my friend, Jen Hemphill. This is the Global Phenomenon with Ina Coveney, the podcast where the self-made teach you to stop waiting to be discovered and prepare to be found. Hello, everyone. Today, we have the pleasure of talking to my friend, Jen Hemphill, money coach. Hi, Jen. How are you doing today? I am doing good. I'm so happy to be here, Ina, and talking to you on your podcast. I know. I'm so excited. I was just telling Jen, I have so many things to talk to her about. So we got on the call and I'm like, stop talking. Stop talking. I can't let you <laughs> tell me anything. because She's I'm, scaring I'm, me. You're going to be putting me on the spot. <laughs> I have so many questions for you. Like as soon as you, you got on the call, I wanted to tell you about this thing that I discovered about you that I didn't oh, no. know. We've known each other for a while and I didn't know this. And I'm kind of upset that I didn't know this. So I'm going to tell you what it was. I discovered that you were interviewed on Farnoosh Torabi's podcast back in 2015. Yes. And do you know that was my first podcast interview? I was sweating bullets. Oh my like, God. That was my very first podcast interview before I even launched the podcast. I couldn't believe it. I'm here looking you up, by the way. And I'm like, imagine like Googling a friend of yours and then you discover that like they had dinner with the president of the United States or whatever. And you're like, what? What? Like, that's how it felt. Like, how did I not know this? But when I saw you, I started listening to the interview with Farnoosh. And Farnoosh is like one of my dream guests that I want to have on the podcast. I was like, I totally. can introduce you. <gasps> okay. I think we're done. We, this, is, this was great. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Thank you, Jen, for being here. (laughs) Okay, I have so much to talk to you about. First of all, um, just like every guest, can you please tell us a little bit of who you are and what you do? Sure. Well, I always start this off with 
to kind of really set it up why I do what I do. So I am a military spouse. I've been a military spouse for 20 years. I got married really young. I've got two boys. And I say that because that's a preface to what that led me to what I do today. When I got married to my husband, I knew a couple things right off. Well, I didn't know much about the military lifestyle because that was brand new to me, but I knew two things. One, I wanted to have a career that was right off, but I knew being a military spouse, that was going to be challenging because we have moved every two, every one year. So maintaining a career was challenging. And the second thing, but I was going to figure it out. And the second thing that was important to me were at that time, I didn't have kids, but I knew we were going to have kids. So the second thing was I wanted to have a mobile career that moves with us. And I wanted to have that flexibility to be at home with my kids because yeah. one, my husband's already gone and, you know, I was already traveling a lot. So those were really critical. And that eventually led me to doing what I do today. But that was like the basis. That was a big vision to, mm-hmm. that led me to uh, start up this business of helping women, empowering them around their finance t- around their finances, taking control of their finances, become the, becoming the reina of their money. So, yeah. so that's can in you, a nutshell. In a nutshell. I appreciate you saying that in a nutshell. Um, so, <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended. So um, first of all, what was your background before you started to really say like, well, if I want to stay home with my kids, if I want to support my home, if I want the finances to be like straight so that I can do this, right? Did you have a background in finance that you, that you relied on? Did you like, where did that interest come from? Tell me about your background. Where did that come from? So it was not finances. I was actually going to go into physical therapy, my bachelor's. Yes. So my vision before I met my husband was I was, I got a bachelor's in at Purdue university, which was a to help me, to set me up to go to physical therapy school. So I was graduating and my thought process was after I graduate, I'll look for a physical therapy school in Colombia and I'm going to go back to Colombia. All right. That was my plan. I met my husband and sometime, somehow I forgot about those plans. (laughs) Where did you guys meet? At UNC Charlotte. I was doing graduate school, which yeah. led me to my master's, which then I was really close to mi abuelita who has passed since. And I was really uh, into really helping older adults. So I got a master's in gerontology. So from physical therapy to gerontology. So I was like, maybe I'll just mesh the two somehow. And then I met my husband. He became a, an officer in the, in the Air Force. And then I'm like, now what? I have no clue what I'm going to do because I may find a job in this and I may not. And right. then the kids and, and my vision and all that. So that's my background. Nothing yeah. to do with finances. The finances came into the picture just later because my husband has sent me an email. The military is really good about supporting the, the spouses. In that email the, that he sent me, it was about a, an opportunity to become what's called an accredited financial counselor. And he knew because I was really, really keen on the finances. I was telling him, no, nope, you can't get this. I was all over it. I was 
a control freak with a, mm-hmm. with the finances. So that sparked my interest, but that was back in 2006, 2008, somewhere around there. So that was just the beginning of just maybe it was just kind of, it's, started the idea, but I didn't get anything started really seriously till about 2014-ish. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a long span of time that like mm-hmm. just totally skipped over there. And I'm just going to say it was around that time, like around 2004, that I started my awakening with mm. personal finance uh, because I came to the U.S. and uh, we can get into a little bit, if you're okay with it, into like our money stories, Absolutely. Um, if that's all right. Because um, when I came to the U.S., I, I was from an affluent family, all right? I'm not going to I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I, I grew up in a, in a very nice house, in a very nice neighborhood, in one of the best schools. I just kind of assumed that money would just appear in my bank account, right? So that was kind of like my money story. It wasn't so much that, oh, money grows on trees and money's always scarce. It was more like, no, money's always going to be there, right? Like, it, it doesn't matter what I do. Money's just always going to show up. I, I had a really good job out of college where I was getting paid, you know, very well for somebody who had no responsibilities, nothing else to do. It was kind of a pretty big paycheck. But right around 2004, this was one year out of college, I started to notice that no matter what I did, my bank account, because I didn't, I, I may have had like one credit card that I got in college that had like a thousand dollar credit limit, something like that. But I was always working off my debit card. I just noticed that my bank account was just always going down every month. And I started to get worried. I'm like, I knew that I could make rent and all this. But I'm like, where's my money going? So I started keeping track of my finances. Like I put together a spreadsheet. I'm, I'm very fastidious that way. Put together a spreadsheet and I started really like cutting back on my expenses. And I, we would go out, everybody at work, we would go out to lunch to this Mexican restaurant in Plainville, Connecticut. And I would always get just the soup, which was $250. And I would just have the chips from the table and the $250 soup. And I'm like, yes, I'm doing awesome. And that was kind of like my first, like my first introduction to being mindful of where money comes from and where it's going. Um, without that awakening, I don't think I don't think things would have gone very well for me. I probably would have ended up getting a lot of credit card debt. I probably would have been, um, you know, in 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 a place that a lot of people in America find themselves in, mm-hmm. right? Like just struggling with finances, which is something that is is it comes with just living in this culture of spending, of getting into debt and it being quote unquote, okay. Um, so I wanted to kind of share that with everybody. So everybody know where, like, where I'm coming from. And I still struggle with those money mindset issues of, you know, it's more like, am I worthy of, of making money? Because I've never made it before. It's always just appear. So who's going to pay me? Like, those are my money struggles. So I wonder what it took for you. I'd love to know if you could share with us a little bit of your money story and how that started to tie into your interest in finance. Yeah. Well, but before I do, I just wanted to share, you also shared your story and even in more detail on my podcast. So I encourage you listening to check it out at Her Dinero Matters because it's such a fantastic, you are just so wonderful. It was, it was an awesome conversation. But with my money, money story growing up in Colombia, I lived there till I was eight years old. I, my parents struggled financially a 
ton. They were the first generation college students. So they were educated. They had the quote unquote, good jobs, but they struggled. And I saw that early on. And I grew up in a time in Colombia where uh, economically it was, it was not good at all. And security wise, in terms of feeling secure, it was, this was the seventies and eighties. It was tough. Yeah. It was tough. So I have, you know, I remember when I was little waking up with nightmares and just because something happened with my parents financially or, or we got robbed, things of that sort. Uh, so this, just to paint you a picture of, I heard a lot of, we didn't have the money and we moved to the U.S. for the reason of, of a better life, just like everybody uh, did. And my dad being uh, a, a gringo, he's a, a, he's American citizen. He had a lot of challenges maintaining a job in Colombia, which was, and again, it was the lack of jobs and all these other things. So we moved to the U.S. and I just had decided early on that I was going to be in a better financial situation than my mm -hmm. parents. And I was that kid because I had heard so many times, we don't have the money. I wasn't that kid. I can't say I never asked my parents for money because they will tell me, yes, you did. But I very rarely asked my parents for money. Mm -hmm. I was that kid that at 10 years of age, I was babysitting any opportunity that I saw to make money. I just grabbed it mm -hmm. um, because it was money that I could use and buy what I wanted and not ask my parents because they didn't have the money. They had already told me that, right? Mm -hmm. Then moved into adulthood, I really dived into reading personal finance books and I felt pretty savvy. I mm -hmm. had bought my first car and eventually paid it off. I married my husband and I, we had the discussions about money, about saving and investing. And when the kids were born about making sure that we had money saved for them for their college and all that. So we had all those discussions, but the critical part, the really the turning point was 2010. So that was 10 years into a marriage. We had PCS, we had moved, my husband was deployed. And I took up because we had just moved, our finance has had changed. I started looking at the money and I noticed a few things. We were still in debt. This is 10 years later. We had been borrowing from the TSP or whether the 401k and our emergency funds that we always worked hard to build, we continue to deplete them. Yes. So I felt a lot of shame. I felt a lot of guilt because at that time, people, family members, and friends saw me as savvy with money and they asked me for financial guidance. I had started the program at that time to become an accredited financial counselor. Mm -hmm. So here I was this person that was looked upon to be good with money right. and smart with money, but yet I didn't have it together. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, it wasn't like everything was bad. It's just, we were still in debt. Those things that I felt we didn't really move the needle. So that opened my eyes to asking myself, okay, if I have read these personal finance books, what, and I'm applying what they're telling me, what am I missing? And sometimes when you start asking these questions, the answers come, it's just kind of weird how that works. And somehow the book didn't appear on my doorstep but the book by T. Harvecker, The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, somehow, mm -hmm. I don't know if it was recommended. I don't know how I came across it. 
and I read and I started reading it. I, I kind of didn't want to read it because it had the word millionaire. And so that was like clue number one. The, the, the word millionaire just gave, gave me like, I just wanted to run away. It didn't. Tell me why. What, what was it about that word? I think it goes back to my mom's money story of when my mom was growing up, her dad passed away at, at an early age and her dad was wealthy. So they, when she was born into money, everything was good. And when he passed away, uh, things, some not so great things happen. And my, my abuelita was left um, viuda and with three kids to raise and no money. Okay. So I think that, and then, so her not seeing becoming rich, a good thing mm. is also, I think also really influenced me as well, but I read the book and it just opened up my mind. And, and I realized then that's what I was missing. I was taking those, I was really recycling, if you will, that past money story or my past money story of there was never enough money. We can't afford it. We don't have the money. And I was continuing to have those thoughts in my mind. Yeah. And that was uh, a big part of the, re of the problem. I'm going to tell you one of the books that opened my mind in terms of personal finance was The Millionaire Next Door. And I don't know mm, if you know about that one. Yep. It's a good one. I mean, yeah. um, which is all about, um, you know, this, uh, I, I, this was all a very long time ago. It was actually the audiobook that I listened to around that time. This is like 15 years ago. So please pardon me if I don't remember everything. But the concept was, if you're savvy with your personal finances, you can be investing into retirement. It kind of get you, got you to think about investing rather than spending. Mm -hmm. um, and that was another eye opener. But for me, the word millionaire, for some reason, like it's always been like, like, yeah, of course I'm going to be a millionaire. Like it's, it's just to me, it's like, no, it's like, that's, that's my path. That's where I'm going. But, uh, you know, my husband and I, we have very different money stories, very different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And to him, a million dollars is something that you make when you play the lottery. Right. So when I say like, well, honey, don't worry, I'm working on it. We're going to make our millions. And he's like, yeah, but I haven't bought a lottery ticket this week. Right. Like that's what he thinks a million dollars comes from. It doesn't come from anywhere else. It has to be from a lottery ticket. It has to be luck. It can't be something we work towards. So um, I wanted to ask you, because I also noticed in all of this research that I'm doing about you, I'm finding out about you now, you actually wrote a book called Her Dinero Matters. And I wanted you to tell me a little bit of in your story, where did that book come in? Where did the idea for the book come in? Tell me more about writing that book. The, the way that I wrote the book is through my experience and how personal finance, the typical themes or what we, the messages that we hear are save more, spend less and get out of debt. That's what it boils down to, right? When we're taught financial education, but what they don't talk about is the emotional piece of money, our mm -hmm. money stories. Mm -hmm. That together... It, it doesn't come into play among other things. And so I wrote that book for that reason to make sure to really highlight why our money stories are so important because we focus on what I consider the 10% of our money headquarters, which is paying the bills, doing the budget, putting some money in savings, paying off debt. And in my opinion, that is only 10% of the scope of your money headquarters, where our money stories, the emotional side of spending, that is a bigger portion. It's kind of 
I equate it to the foundation of a home. If you buy a home with a not so sturdy foundation, you're always going to have issues. Is it livable? Absolutely. But you're always going to have issues. So that foundation of your home are your money stories is those past, that past money story. And I think it's very important for people to be aware of that so they can move forward because that in my, in my experience kept me stuck for a long time. Once I was really aware of my money stories and I was able to shift them and create a, a, a new story and work on that. Granted, it wasn't overnight. I still work on it because, you know, it's an everlasting um, thing that you do, uh, that's when things started to happen and really shift. And so instead of taking 10 years, 10 more years to pay off the debt, we were able to pay it off the remaining debt in three, right? So it's just a matter of shift and perspective that once you do that, it not only you're not only thinking more positively, but you're thinking more clearly. And from thinking more clearly, you're able to make better decisions with your money and see things in a different way so you can do things more effectively. Can I just say that you just touched on something that, you know, when you describe yourself, you know, I was, I was very smart and very social, and you still are, <laughs> like, you know, b- back then, like when, when all this was happening and you felt like you were in debt and things were not getting better, but you're so savvy and you're so smart and you're so resourceful in what is happening. I want to kind of draw a parallel between that feeling that you were having about your finances and everybody who's listening to us who's starting their own businesses. And it's, it's the same struggle. Is it, mm-hmm. if I'm so smart and resourceful, why haven't I made it yet? What I'm, why am I still not getting recurring clients and recurring income? And you just landed on the key that unlocks it all, which is the mindset. So um, you and me, both from, you know, like corporate worlds where we're like, yeah, well, we need to know the strategy and we need to know how to do this and we need to know the ABC and we need to know the one, two, three, right? We just need to get the right strategy. We both at some point in our paths realize that mindset is like 80% of the story because you can follow you guys I'm, I'm gonna say something I'm maybe a little bit controversial but there's more than one way of right. being successful in business right there's more than one way of being successful with your finances right there isn't just one strategy and you just haven't found it 80% of it is the mindset that you bring with it so I would love to know if you can take me back to that moment when you realized when that was like, oh, wait, so it's not that I just need to save more, spend less and, you know, save for retirement. I, I, that, that can't be all. When did you realize I have to change the way I think in order for this to work? So that was in 2010, 2010 when, I, when I realized that, when I read this book, but it took me several years to really, really, because I, I think I had some, uh, when you're, when you fight against it, there's that, I don't, there's a term for it, but I can't think of it, but I knew it was something that I had to do and I kind of worked on it, but it felt too woo woo, if you will, I, I describe it. And I wasn't a woo woo person. I'm a very practical person. Yes. That's how I am. So hearing those things, Oh, you need to do affirmations. And I realized too, later on, and I still talk about this to this day that yeah, affirmations are great, but you have to select ones that align with you and that you connect with, because if not, Mm -hmm. you're just 
selecting affirmations and you're just saying them and you're not connected with them, you're just, it's not going to do anything for you. And you don't have to do affirmations. It's a simple tweak of if you're thinking like I was, we can't afford this or we can't, uh, we're never going to be able to go on the trip, this dream trip, instead asking a question, how can we? How can we make this happen? How can we make this more simple for us? Because I get overwhelmed. So it's always, how can we, how can I make it more simple? It's asking those questions. So it's not just, like you said, there's more than one way. It's not just affirmations. But I think that the process started in 2010. Mm -hmm. And really from 2010, I started kind of meddling around and trying to figure this out. But we had moves. So we had significant things in our life happen, which kind of with a move, it's always a process of adapting and unpacking and the, getting the kids settled. So that took up a lot of space, right? And it took yeah. up a lot of time. Um, and so it took me a few, several years, but that was like the, really the pivotal moment is that 2010 when I realized and discovered I have, I really have the skills, but I'm lacking the mindset piece. Okay, so I want to start talking about the online coaching world, okay? Because you and me were cut from the same cloth. We came from environments that were, you know, like we grew up in a place where we didn't have a cell phone when we were teenagers, right? We grew up with no internet. We, you know, we, when I started my business, even though I was making websites, which is, which is technically an online business, I didn't really have an online business. I just had word of mouth and I would make a product. I would make a website and deliver it. And that's it. I was in that business for years before I realized that there was an actual online world of coaches, of service providers, of freelancers. And I would love to know what was your first discovery? I mean, what came first? You deciding to be a financial advisor for people that you knew and referrals or the online world? It was uh, the financial counseling. I was just thinking, well, I have Skype, right? Because that was how we communicated with our family in Colombia. Like, that's how I can do it, right? That's how it can become mobile. It wasn't really clear what, I mean, in my mind, my business model was like the one-to-one coaching. And I realized Mm -hmm. later on that I needed to do more than that. Mm -hmm. And then once I started looking, because I got some mentorship and they were telling me you need a business plan and you need to get an LLC, which in hindsight, I probably didn't need an LLC right away Mm -hmm. when I didn't know what in the world I was doing, but it is what it is. And that later I discovered the online world of online marketing. Mm -hmm. And I was, that's, I really, I got into learning mode instead of action mode. I was probably in learning mode for a couple of years where I took courses after courses. I, and I actually was in this, uh, not online course, but some coaching, like group coaching where Granted, she's a great person and, you know, some coaches that you get what you, you get some good things from them, but they may not, it may not be what you needed at the time, yeah. but you just kind of take it with a grain of salt, yeah. salt. and this I've online been coach, yeah, yeah. this been online coach was saying you need to build a course, uh, and sell it with webinars, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I'm coachable. Okay. <laughs> Let's Built do a it. course, uh, 
get some Facebook ads going. This is the very beginning of the business. Facebook, yeah. you know, do Facebook ads, but but in my opinion, like starting off, I don't think that's what you should be focusing on. I, I it takes a lot of work yeah. and time and, and money and money, right? Yeah. And so I created this course. I think what did I call it? Money magnet women. It doesn't exist, so you won't find it. Okay. Money magnet women. That's what it was called. And I had a webinar, probably had, I don't know, with the Facebook ads, maybe 60, 80 people registered. That's very impressive. I, I had three people show up to my first oh, webinar. Oh, well, no, this is registered. I haven't said, reg- I haven't said showed up. I think probably <laughs> I had maybe 10 show up. I don't know. No one bought. Bye. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't have an email list. And that's when I really, I'm, okay, I might be ha- had that opt-in or sign up for my newsletter that probably friends and family signed up, right? Maybe I had the 20 people, right? Yeah. And I didn't understand the purpose of that. I just had literally sign up with for my newsletter and I never sent out emails because I'm like, what am I going to send them? I, I right. didn't really, it took me a while, maybe I'm a slow learner, to comprehend the importance of creating content, mm-hmm. the importance of establishing that relationship. And you can establish that relationship by providing some content for them, right? Because right. they were not going to be able to get to know and trust you without any content. So right. then I started searching, okay, how am I going to do this? Because blogging is not the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not for me. And that's when I landed into podcasting. And when I started my podcast, that's when things just took off. I shouldn't say took off because I fell a lot of times. Yeah. I have fallen and sometimes I continue to fall, but that's finding the, that medium or that channel that I could create that content where people can get to know me was, I think, critical as well in my business. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's per- I know, in a nutshell, a little bit. And I, go with that. can I just say, I love it because so many people are going to relate to what you're saying right now of, you know, just being new to this online world thing. And now this podcast is all about interviewing online coaches, right? But we all started somewhere. We didn't just start like, you know, having massive launches and, you know, having massive people (laughs) knocking on our doors, wanting to give us money like that. It doesn't start that way. It starts with exactly what you said. It's like kind of dipping your toe in the water, getting some bad advice, getting some good advice. Mm -hmm. You can't tell which one's which. You are new to the environment right? I, I did the same. I actually had a coach telling me, please don't create a course. But I was coming in saying, no, I'm going for the passive income. I want to create a course. I'm not going to listen to you. So sometimes, yeah, the bad advice comes from yourself, like it was in my case. So I did exactly the same thing. I created a course. I sold all of four copies over several months. Hey, but it's like better than I did. Okay. It's like, <laughs> great. But yeah, my first webinar, total bomb. But I woke up the next day excited and went to my coach and I said, I did it. I did a webinar. By the way, I pitched nothing on that webinar because I was so self-conscious that only three people showed up and I knew all of them, right? <laughs> like I knew nobody was going to buy anything. So I didn't pitch. I was so self-conscious. I didn't pitch, but I woke up the next day and I said, okay, what's next? I told my coach, I did it. I got, I did the webinar. What's next? She's like, okay, you're going to do a five-day challenge in two months go and set it up. I'm like, okay. So it's just been an exciting ride ever since. And you know, 
my launches have, you know, just grown. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not at the level of the Selena Seuss of the world. I'm not at the level of the Amy Porterfields of the world, but I am learning every single time and kind of enjoying the process. So I would love to know, like from that time that you were like, just like throwing spaghetti at the wall and see what, see what fits. Uh, and then finding your groove with your podcast, um, Her Dinero Matters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Her I, Money Matters and her, then it became Her Dinero Matters. Now, so we went from money to dinero, and, I, and, and like you said, I am in this week's episode, and I'm so excited. Actually, it's this week at the moment that we're recording Correct. this, but go back and check it out. Um, so I want to know what your experience with that online launch sequence process has oh. been. Like, what has been your relationship with the whole online marketing machine? I don't like it. Oh, no. <laughs> Tell me more. I, I don't like it. Well, I've noticed, I think what I did, I didn't give my permission to not have to do, I felt like I had to do it. Mm. And so I did the free challenges and I did the email sequences and I did a, more webinars. I don't do webinars anymore. I decide I'm, I already have my podcast. That's free mm. content. So I've really learned to be flexible and just because they, this is a way to do it. Like you said, there's other ways right. and I've learned what I like and what I don't like, what I enjoy and what I don't enjoy. Do I, do I enjoy coaching one-on-one and group coaching? Absolutely. Do I want to make it a huge, a, a big percentage of my business? No, it's yeah. like a ton of work in terms of it's, when, when people are available are in the evenings and that's my family time as well. Mm-hmm. So I've learned over the years and I, so I have done those. I have, um, some that went well, some well, well, some that didn't, but I think the key thing here is that I, I wasn't listening to my gut. Mm. So when people say you need to do it this way, these emails needs to say this and it just didn't feel good. I did it anyway in terms of their way and it didn't work. Yeah. Right. So I think I, it's really key to listen to yourself. And just because it's not by the book, the way you're being taught, I think, you know, you best and you know, your business best because what online coaches are doing, they're teaching from their experience and yes. what may work from them may not work for you. They may not be in that same niche that you're in. I'm in the world of personal finance. It's the, what works for me is not going to work uh, a coach that is teaching other online coaches to build their business. It's just, it's a completely different niche. So I think it's really, really important to acknowledge that. I am so glad that you said that because like that's, that's a controversial statement that I feel like, like I said before, is that there's more than one way to have a successful business online. And I I love it that you said to listen to your gut Mm -hmm. Um, because I have fallen in the trap too. I have signed up for programs that I didn't need. I've signed Mm -hmm. up to work with people that I didn't need their help. I've I've signed up for so many things that in the end, I'm like, okay, you know, you got to figure out what you can get out of this experience because you're not getting what you thought you were getting out of it. And to tell the truth, what I love doing, I'm going to tell you, I love launching. Like it, it fills my bucket. But if somebody told me, like put a gun to my head and tell me that's what you need to do, 
I, I think I would have just created a job for myself rather than a freedom career that is exciting, that is creative, that is where I want to live. So I love it that we have different business models. We have different places where our audience comes from. And that's what everybody that is listening to this needs to take away from this is that you need to know where your audience is what they need, how they consume content, who else are they listening to, and see where you fit in that ecosystem because it's not going to be the same for everybody and every discipline. So, and do what you love to do. Like, you got to enjoy the ride. Mm -hmm. the, the ride itself has to be the goal, not really the destination. So, um, I'm so glad that you said that. Yeah, and I think one thing to add, too, is to know, especially when you see all these online courses and offers and you're like, oh, I need this and I, oh, that would be so good. What do you need right now? What's going to move the needle right now? And that because I was guilty like you, I bought everything. I don't even mm -hmm. want to add up. Yeah. How much I've spent. I do want, not want to know. I'm I have. I will not. Me. You don't, don't want to know. know. I don't want to know. know. <laughs> <laughs> I but, have added it up and I don't want to yeah, know the number. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. yeah. And, but what I have learned is just, does this make sense? You know, to ask myself, does this make sense in my business right now? Is this going to, does that align with the goals that I have set up for myself? If not, I don't need it right now. Exactly. And so I think that's important too. It's going to save you money. Here's the money person telling you. <laughs> exactly. So I actually wanted to know because everybody should know that you and I uh, met because we have a common friend, mm -hmm. uh, Pablo Gonzalez, and I'm just going to just for the heck of it, I'm just going to tag him here because he's just awesome. And he put the two of us together. And then um, shortly after, uh, we started a, a really tight group mastermind, mm -hmm. like a really tiny mastermind with our friend Marieli Martinez, uh, Marieli mm -hmm. Silvette, uh, with Rita Bautista, the founder of the Latina Podcast Network. And the four of us, we've just kind of been in touch. It's and been amazing. It has been so good, right? Uh, just to have that support from other people who are going for it, people mm -hmm. who people who are like me who are just not 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 stopping themselves and we we talk to each other about the things that we're going through we tell each other our wins we and i, I keep going like this with my finger if people are watching the, the youtube video because it's a boxer we have a little boxer group so we're always <laughs> sending each other messages um and i have been so impressed with how far you are going um i i mean I shouldn't have been surprised you were on Farnoosh's podcast because to me, you're a complete powerhouse. Like people have to know who you are. Um, and it, it's just yeah. been so wonderful. So I wanted to ask you, why was it important to you or why is it important to you to have this kind of group to rely on? Oh my goodness. Because I think when you surround yourself with like-minded people, that uplift you, that inspire you, that is that gives you that energy or not energy, but that el combustible to keep going, right? Because it's accountability and it's an inspiration and you need that. You always need to surround. You have to always check with who you're spending the most time with and it affects, yes, your business. It affects your personal finances. It affects everything. And it has been, I, I love our group and it just really, I think it's also has helped me because seeing I have my own limiting beliefs, right? I have also have been working a lot on the belief in myself mm -hmm. for a long, for a long time. Cause I've lacked that belief. And I had one coach tell me if 
you don't have the belief right now, it's okay. Let me carry it for you, which was so powerful for me. But I think that's what our group has done is just, it, it gives me that push to, if something goes wrong, I have someone, you know, a group of people to go to. And if I maybe just don't want to get up, <laughs> they'll be like, get up, get yourself up and keep moving. Right. So, which is, really, really helpful. It's important to really surround yourself with people that are like, you know, like-minded people that are yeah. really striving for what you're doing. And I think that has been one of the biggest takeaways for me from having been in group programs, you know, for the past two and a half years since I left corporate, uh, has been joining programs where I get to meet these people where I get to see where they're going and see where they have been and get to interview amazing people like you. And uh, for everybody who's listening, you can understand how important it is to not do this alone, mm. right? And right. sometimes, and I, I, I've done this and I continue to do this, I pay into these groups. I pay into masterminds, into groups that, you know, where there's some mentor that is going to teach you something. I've paid into these groups and I, that's how I get to meet the people who are willing to pay and invest in themselves, right? Where are the people who are investing in themselves in their business? In these programs. So uh, we created our group. Our group is free. It's just like a friendly group that we have. So I, I guess what I'm saying is, if you don't have a group right now, because there aren't a lot of people around you who feel the same way, who are going for the same things, sometimes it pays, no pun intended, to, like, to be a part of a group of people like that, to find a mentor that has a group program that you can learn from and you can grow with other people and make friends that way. But uh, yeah, but it, if you start to meet people that really inspire you, start a mastermind. Start a little boxer group, start a WhatsApp group, just keep each other informed and helping each other out. Collaborate. Don't be afraid to bring people in to share audiences, right? Absolutely. Collaboration. And there's enough room for everybody. And, right. and we all need each other and we can help each other grow. And yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, it really, it really matters. So uh, we're winding down here and I have two more questions for you, Jen. So... The first one is, I want to know what you think has been the biggest misconception that people have had about you, uh, about being a successful coach in this online space. I think because I have the podcast, because I have the book that gives me that credibility, they, when people come across me, or I've even had the crazy times where I've been in events and people like, oh, like, you know, I, I listen to your podcast, like those fan moments. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. But because of that credibility that the podcast and the book has given me, people, I think, assume that I am a, at a higher level business that I may be at that time. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm not one that I I, I'm very real, right? And I do not, I don't say this is how my, you know, my launch was this, this month, because we know in business, you may have a successful lunch, but the next three months, you may not make anything. So mm -hmm. I, I don't, that's for me, that is not a big driver. So I think the misconception people have is that maybe I'm at, I'm at a higher level of business that I really am. And I'm proud of what I'm building. I'm proud of where I'm at right now. Just sometimes people assume what they want to assume. And I'm like, 
Okay, if you ask me, I will tell you directly what it is, but <laughs> it's just interesting. I think that's actually, you've made a really good point that I want everybody to, to know because I've actually built my business on that effect that you just mentioned, which is it is not, it doesn't take a million dollars to look like a million dollars, right? If you want to raise your credibility, it takes to sit yourself down and write a book and publish it. It takes to have the consistency and the discipline to put out a podcast episode every single week. You guys, starting a podcast is not prohibitively expensive. It just takes that discipline. It takes you knowing that you are the expert. It doesn't take a million dollars to have a magnificent website that really tells your story and tells people who you are. So I actually think you touched on something really important that people have to understand that you can do this, Mm -hmm. that anybody can do this. You just got to really know who you are, know your expertise, get to know your audience, engage with them and have that online presence that is a serious online presence. Know who you are. So I actually really like it that you landed us in that point because I think everybody should know that. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And my last question for you is, I'm giving you the power, the authority, the almighty power that the whole world has to do what you're about to tell them to do. And they have to do it in the next 24 hours to improve their life, improve their financial stability, something that's going to make their lives better. They have to do it. What would that thing be? Find something that you've done well and celebrate it. We tend to focus on what we don't get done, what we don't accomplish, what we fail at. And I've had that personal experience where I was at the ugly cry point and my husband was like, okay, you feel like you haven't accomplished this. And he then he listed a bunch of things that I did accomplish. And I just kind of went on. I, it was just an aha moment. I'm like, why am I not acknowledging what I have accomplished and what the successes that I have? So definitely celebrate a win. I always say celebrate money wins, but celebrate a win in your business and your life and your family, whatever that is, because and keep track of it. I write it down because that's what's, that's the boost that you'll need on a day that's difficult. So that's what I would say. I, I love that so much. You just said, uh, when you said that, you know, your husband is the one who reminded you, I'm like, my husband doesn't want to have anything to do with my business. But one day I was talking to him and um, I was telling him, I, I looked at him with really like loving eyes. I just stared at him like, thank you for allowing me to do what I love, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Any other person would have told me, go back to work. Right. Like, and I I told him like, thank you. Like I I really thank him a lot for, for allowing me to, to, to be this free. And he looked at me and said, he's like, you would have been awesome without me anyway. Like, and I, and I like, I want to cry right now because I, I very rarely get him just saying that I'm good at my business because he like, he's like, do whatever you want. I don't have to have anything to do with it. Do not show me on camera. Do not show my face. Do not show anything. So him acknowledging me as being good at what I do, that just like did it for me. I was like, and he's like, yeah. oh, geez, it's such a good important to have such great support, even in your yeah. household. And I know my husband, he's like, you're on my retirement plan. I'm like, <laughs> All right. No pressure. <laughs> but yeah, no, totally. We have very good husbands. We'll, yes. we'll keep them around for a little while. 
And for everybody <laughs> listening, get yourself some good, solid support from spouses, from family, from children, from mentors. Um, get people to tell you that they believe in you. It's so, so critical to your success to have that. So Jen, it has been such a pleasure. Oh Thank goodness. you so much for coming and telling us your story. It's, it's just been lovely. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. It's an honor. Like, this is huge for me. I love it. It's awesome. Thank you so much, Jen. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hey there, Ina here. After this episode, you may be wondering how you can also achieve the kind of success that our guest has experienced in their entire career. So hit follow and subscribe to catch me on Thursday for a brand new lesson on how to grow your coaching business, even if you have a small audience. And if you'd like to hear the full interview with all the details that only the super fans care about, get free access to all of our uncut interviews by going to theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut. And I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to The Global Phenomenon with Ina Coveney. Join the conversation inside the Facebook group at theglobalphenomenon.com slash Facebook. Listen to new interviews every Monday and learn with a companion episode every Thursday. This podcast was created by Ina Coveney, music by Jared LaBelle, and this was the voice of Kip Clark.